there is a wide world of evidence that human sexual activity goes far beyond what's needed for reproduction. While the social function of sex is now seen mainly in terms of maintaining the nuclear family, this is far from the only way societies channel human sexual energies to promote social stability. Coming in at hundreds or thousands of copulations per child born, human beings outcopulate even chimpanzees and bonobos and are far beyond gorillas and gibbons. When the average duration of each copulation is factored in, the sheer amount of time spent in sexual activity by human beings easily surpasses that of any other primates, even if we agree to ignore all our fantasizing, dreaming, and masturbating. The evidence that sperm competition played a role in human evolution is simply overwhelming. In the words of one researcher, without sperm warfare during human evolution, men would have tiny genitals and produce a few sperm. There would be no thrusting during intercourse, no sex dreams or fantasies, no masturbation, and we would each feel like having intercourse only a dozen or so times in our entire lives. Sex and society art and literature, in fact, the whole of human culture would be different." Unquote. We can add to this list the fact that human men and women would be the same height and weight if monogamous, or that men would likely be twice the size of women if polygynous. Just as Darwin's famous finches in the Galapagos evolved different bake structures for cracking different seeds. Related species often evolved different mechanisms for sperm competition. The sexual evolution of chimps and bonobos followed a strategy dependent upon repeated ejaculations of small but highly concentrated deposits of sperm cells, while humans evolved an approach featuring a penis designed to pull back pre-existing sperm with extended, repeated thrusting, less frequent compared to chimps and bonobos, but larger ejaculates, testicular volume and libido far beyond what's needed for monogamous or polygynous mating, rapid reaction DNA controlling and development of testicular tissue, this DNA apparently being absent in monogamous or polygynous primates. Overall sperm content per ejaculate, even today in the range of chimps and bonobos, and precarious location of the testicles in a vulnerable external scrotum associated with promiscuous mating. In Spanish, the word esperar can mean to expect or to hope, depending on context. Archaeology, writes Boguki, is very much constrained by what the modern imagination allows in the range of human behavior. Unquote. So is evolutionary theory. Perhaps so many conclude 
that sexual monogamy is characteristic of our species' evolutionary past, despite the clear messages inscribed in every man's body and appetites, because this is what they expect and hope to find there. The Prehistory of O Quote, now there you have a sample of man's reasoning powers, as he calls them. He observed certain facts, for instance, that in all his life he never sees the day that he can satisfy one woman, also that no woman ever sees the day that she can't overwork and defeat and put out of commission any ten masculine plants that can be put to bed to her. He puts those strikingly suggestive and luminous facts together, and from them draws this astonishing conclusion. The Creator intended the woman to be restricted to one man. Unquote. By Mark Twain, Letters from the Earth. We recently spotted a young man strolling down Las Ramblas in Barcelona, proudly sporting a t-shirt proclaiming that he was born to fuck. One wonders whether he was a whole set of these shirts at home. Born to breathe, born to eat, born to drink, born to shit, and of course the depressing but inevitable born to die. But maybe he was making a deeper point. After all, the argument central to this book is that sex has long served many crucial functions for homo sapiens with reproduction being only the most obvious among them since we human beings spend more time and energy planning exec executing executing and recalling our sexual exploits than any other species on earth maybe we all should wear such shirts or maybe just the woman when it comes to sex, many, rather men, may be trash-talking sprinters, but it's the women who win all the marathons. Any marriage counselor will tell you the most common sex-related complaint women make about men is that they are too quick and too direct. Meanwhile, men's most frequent sex-related gripe about women is that they take too damn long to get warmed up. After an orgasm, a woman may be anticipating a dozen more. A female body in motion tends to stay in motion, but men come and go. For them, the curtain falls quickly and the mind turns to unrelated matters. The symmetry of dual disappointment illustrates the almost comical incompatibility between men's and women's sexual response in the context of monogamous mating. You have to wonder if men and women evolved together in sexually monogamous couples for millions of years. How did we end up being so incompatible? It's as if we've been sitting down to dinner together millennium after millennium, but half of us can't help wolfing everything down in a few frantic sloppy minutes, while the other half are still setting the table and lighting candles. Yes, we know, mixed strategies. Lots of cheap sperm versus a few expensive eggs in one basket. 
and so on. But these flagrantly maladjusted sexual responses make far more sense when viewed as relics of our having evolved in promiscuous groups. Rather than spinning theories within the theories in an effort to prop up an unstable paradigm, monogamy with mistakes, mild polygyny, mixed mating strategies, serial monogamy, can we simply face the one scenario where none of this self-contradicting, inconsistent special pleading is necessary? Okay, fine. It's embarrassing. Maybe even humiliating. If you're prone to that sort of thing. But 150 years after The Origin of Species was published, isn't it time to accept that our ancestors evolved along a sexual trajectory similar to that of our two highly social, very intelligent, closely related primate cousins? With any other question we have about the origins of human behavior, we look to chimps and bonobos for important clues, language, tool use, political alliances, war, reconciliation, altruism. But when it comes to sex, we prudishly turn away from these models to the distantly related antisocial, low IQ, but monogamous gibbon. Really? We've pointed out how the agricultural revolution triggered radical social reconfigurations from which we're still reeling. Perhaps the far-fetched denial of our promiscuous sexual prehistory expresses a legitimate fear of social instability but can insistent demands for a stable social order, based, as we are often reminded, upon the nuclear family unit, cannot erase the effects of the hundreds of thousands of years that came before our species settled into stable villages. If female chimps and bonobos could talk, do we really think they'd be griping to their hairy girlfriends about prematurely ejaculating males who don't bring flowers anymore? Probably not, because as we've seen, when a female chimp or bonobo is in the mood, she is likely to be the center of plenty of eager male attention. And the more attention she gets, the more she attracts, because as it turns out, our male primate cousins get turned on by the sight and sound of others of their species having sex. Imagine that. 